Spirit, one God, amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages, amen. Dear brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the second day of the Feast of Theophany, which is one of the major feasts of the Lord, or one of the great feasts of the Church. And in this feast, we celebrate the manifestation of God, the Holy Trinity, to us, to mankind, and our Lord's baptism at the hands of the holy forerunner John the Baptist. In fact, this is what the title of the feast means. Theophany is derived from two Greek words. Uh, one means God, and the other means to show. And so in the Orthodox Church, we call this feast Theophany, but in the Western churches, they tend to call it Epiphany. And even though both of these words are interchangeable and both of them mean the revelation or the manifestation of God, the Orthodox feast is different than the Western feast. Western Christians celebrate the Epiphany by focusing on the visit of the Magi to our Lord Jesus Christ, whereas Orthodox Christians focus on the Theophany or the manifestation and revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ at the time of his baptism in the Jordan River. And so above all, today's feast is the feast of the Lord's divine manifestation to all humanity, to you and to me as well. And this morning I would like to meditate with you on the significance of this feast in only three short points. Firstly, I want to meditate on the history of God's manifestations to mankind. Would it surprise you, dear brothers and sisters, to learn that from the very beginning of human history, God has manifested himself to us. In the book of Genesis, we read that the first man and woman heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the Garden of Eden. And what did this beautiful voice of God say to them? Adam, where art thou? This is what happened every evening in paradise. There was a theophany between the Almighty God to Adam and Eve. They enjoyed this sweet fellowship with their Creator every single day of their lives. It is true that God gave them many things in paradise so that they would be full of joy. Think of all of the beautiful trees and the animals and the food and the fellowship that they had in the Garden of Eden. The fact that all creation was subject to them but undoubtedly the greatest joy for Adam and Eve living in the Garden of Eden was their daily theophany, their daily meeting with God in which he manifested his divine glory and his love toward them. Sadly, as we know, Adam and Eve, and by extension all of us, lost this theophany because of sin. But God, however, did not abandon us as we pray in the liturgy, in his inexpressible love and compassion, he continued to manifest himself to mankind even after we sin and we separate ourselves from him. And to name but a few examples, we remember that God appeared to our father, the holy patriarch Abraham in Genesis 12, 15, and 18. In that last reference we read, and God appeared to him by the oak of Mambre, and he sat by the door of his tent at noon. The scene, of course, serves to remind us of God's original theophany to Adam and Eve in paradise. He appeared to them surrounded by trees in the afternoon, but here he appears to Abraham by the single tree of Mambra at noon. 
and the similarity is striking and it serves to teach us that the same God who manifested himself to Adam and Eve was now manifesting himself to Abraham. God also appeared to Abraham's son Isaac in Genesis 26 and said to him, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee, and multiply thy seed for the sake of Abraham my fa thy father. Isaac's own son Jacob received a theophany from God in Genesis 28 when he saw the ladder extending from earth to heaven with God himself at the top of the ladder. And what was Jacob's response to this theophany he received from God? All he could say was, surely the Lord is in this place. This same Jacob, of course, would later receive another theophany from God in Genesis 32 when he wrestled with God all night and would not let him go until the Lord blessed him. God also gave several theophanies to his servant, the holy arch prophet Moses, who saw the burning bush in Exodus 3, the pillar of cloud and fire in Exodus 13, the glory of God in the cloud in Exodus 16, the glory of God on Mount Sinai in Exodus 24, and the glory of God in the tabernacle in Exodus 40. The children of Israel likewise witnessed theophanies from God in the form of pillars of fire and the glory of God throughout the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Later on in the book of Judges, chapter 6, God granted his servant, the holy warrior Gideon, a theophany when he delivered the children of Israel from their enemies, the pagan Midianites and Amalekites. Later, Solomon also received a theophany after he completed building the temple in Jerusalem. The righteous and long-suffering Job would see God speak to him in a whirlwind. The holy prophet Isaiah would later receive a theophany from God and behold his glory fill the temple. He even saw the mighty seraphim worshiping God and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory something that we are going to share in, a praise that we are going to share in a little bit later in the liturgy. The holy prophet Ezekiel, a different prophet, he begins his prophetic book by telling us about his theophany. Now it came to pass that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Even the holy prophet Amos, one of the minor prophets of scripture who we don't hear enough about, tells us that he received a theophany, I saw the Lord standing on the altar. These brief examples and many more like them may be found and studied throughout the books of Holy Scripture. But why am I sharing them with you today? It is to make a very important point. God made us human beings so that he might manifest himself to us. In other words, we exist in order to receive theophanies from God. From the very beginning of creation, God manifested himself to mankind, and he continued even after we separated ourselves from him through sin. And these theophanies were all precursors to the one great theophany that would forever change human history, the theophany that we celebrate today. This is the theophany to mankind in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the past, the Lord spoke 
to his holy men and women, but now the Lord speaks directly through his only begotten Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. As the Holy Apostle Paul would tell us in the first words of his epistle to the Hebrews, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. And so all of the theophanies I mentioned earlier were preparations for the incarnation and the baptism of our Savior in which a full theophany is made to all of mankind on the banks of the Jordan River. This is what we were created for, brothers and sisters. He manifested himself to us so that we might know him. I'm reminded here of the beautiful and famous prayer of the great Western saint, the Holy Augustine, that is found at the beginning of his work, The Confessions. He said, Almighty God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And so now that we have considered the history of God's theophanies to mankind, let's consider now the purpose of these theophanies. What do we receive when God manifests himself to us? If you pay attention to the reading of the Pauline epistle today, you will find the answer. This is from the epistle of St. Paul to Titus. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. In this passage, we learn that the purpose of God's theophany to mankind is our purification. The Holy Apostle Paul tells us that God appeared once to all mankind in order to teach us to live a pure and a holy life now in this present age so that we will be ready for his ultimate theophany when he comes once again in his glory with his angels to give each one according to his and her deeds. And so there are two theophanies of Christ that we need to be aware of. The first one on the banks of the Jordan River, the one that, that we celebrate today in the feast, and the second one that is coming later, the second one when he returns on the last day of judgment, when he will come again. And in between these two theophanies, what is our role? To purify ourselves, to be holy, to live a sober and righteous life so that we can be ready for the theophany that is to come. And this is how we understand what happened on that great day when our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized. In his humility, our Lord was immersed and when he was under the water during his baptism, it was a foreshadowing of his death and his burial. And when he rose immediately from that water, when he came up from it, it was a foreshadowing of his holy resurrection from the den. And at that moment, the voice of God thundered from heaven. The incarnate God was in the waters of the Jordan, and God the Holy Spirit alighted on his head in the form of a dove. At that moment, our Savior joined the Holy Spirit with the water. 
He was right there between the Holy Spirit above and the water below. And he joined them so that not only the water, but all of creation might be purified and transformed and made new into a new creation by the grace of God. The holy Ignatius, the Bishop of Antioch, wrote an important letter on his way to Rome to be martyred. And in this letter, a letter to the Ephesians, he teaches us that Christ was born and baptized in order to purify the water by his own passion. In other words, the water did not need, sorry, the Lord did not need the water in any way. The Lord who was without sin did not need to be baptized. The water needed him. The water needed him. And so when our Lord was baptized in the water, he had, it had the effect of renewing the water and all of creation as well. And for this reason, we become a new creation when we uh, are baptized, when we go through the mystery of baptism and later chrismation and receiving the Eucharist, we are transformed and we become once again a new creation. Third and finally, let us speak about our theophanies today. Today, God willing, the vast majority of you will receive at least two theophanies from God. The first, of course, will take place as we continue the divine liturgy when God will manifest himself to us in his body and blood, which he makes from the bread and wine through the work of the Holy Spirit. How lucky and how blessed we are, dear brothers and sisters, to have the ability to receive this theophany as often as we are ready, as often as we are able to come to the church and to receive the Eucharist, we can receive this theophany continually throughout our lives. The second theophany that we can receive today is not as obvious, but it is right here next to me in these bottles of water that we sanctified in the liturgy of the blessing of the water or the la'en, uh, uh, the night before last. We know, of course, that the Feast of Theophany is unique, that we celebrate this additional liturgical service called the Liturgy of the Blessing of the Water, or La'en, in which the priest prays over the water, and he calls down the Holy Spirit to sanctify the water that is offered to the people. This water that is next to me here because it has been prayed upon in this liturgy, has become filled with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And I remarked on Friday night, and I'll say it again, the label of the water now says purified water, but now after the liturgy of the La'en, now we should change the label to say instead purifying water. This is water that is infused and blessed by the grace of God. The Russian Orthodox saint, John Maximovich, or John of Shanghai, he wrote about the waters of Theophany. He said, on Theophany, the day of the Lord's baptism, every year a great miracle is performed. The Holy Spirit coming down upon the water changes its natural properties. It becomes incorrupt, not spoiling, remaining transparent and fresh for many years. This holy water receives the grace to heal illnesses, to drive away demons and every evil power, to preserve people and their homes from every danger. 
to sanctify various objects, whether for church or home use. This is what we sanctify in the feast. And it's very important for those of you who did not come on Friday, that before you leave today, you take a bottle of water. Try to take one bottle per family so that we have enough for everyone. <coughs> and we also have enough for the rest of the year because throughout the year, sometimes people come and they're going through something and they need a bottle of this blessed water. So we try to keep at least some in reserve so that we can serve the people throughout the year. But it's important that all of you who were not here and who haven't received it already to take a bottle with you Keep this water in your homes. Drink some of it every morning. Even a little drop is enough. You can take it with the sign of the cross before you eat or drink anything else. Invite your priest to come and visit your home and he can sprinkle this water all over your walls and your possessions to sanctify them and to protect them from the evil demons. When you are traveling, drink a little bit of the water. When you're going through a tribulation or you're being tempted, the spiritual warfare against you is great. Ask the priest to anoint you with this water before we start the divine liturgy. The demons fear this water. And so if you are tempted by anything, any sin, drink some of the water and ask the priest to anoint you with it because it is this water in which our Lord descended <coughs> and broke the heads of the dragons, as we read in the prophecy of Isaiah. But be careful, because the way I describe it now, it sounds almost as though it is magical water, but be careful. The Christian life requires synergy. Yes, God infuses the water with grace. Yes, God makes things holy. Yes, even when we receive the Eucharist, we receive something holy. But if we deny it by the way we live, if we are not striving to live a holy life, if we don't have faith, then these things come to us not only not effective, but they, come, they become harmful to us. That's why St. Paul says you cannot partake of the table of the demons and the Eucharist. You can't receive communion while not believing that this is the body and blood of Christ, because if you do that, you bring upon yourself great judgment. And it's the same with this water. Everything I said about this water is true because this is the tradition of the Holy Church passed from the apostles until now. What I said is true. But in order for you to benefit from this water, you must have faith and you must work with God for the sake of your salvation. That means you drink this water while you also repent, while you also confess, while you also attend the liturgies, and you're here when the church opens her doors. That means that you drink this water while you read the scripture. That you drink this water while you are praying and striving. Maybe you're not at the level of the saints, but that's okay. As long as you are striving and pushing yourself to be better and to live a holy life, the Lord will accept you. But don't drink this water if you don't believe. Don't drink this water if you don't care because then it will become harmful to you. And so this is something that I hope all of us can take seriously. And before you leave today, if you haven't already received a bottle of this holy water. Today, brothers and sisters, we celebrate the Feast of Theophany, a great feast, a feast of the Lord. 
Rejoice in this feast today and give glory to God for all of the wonders he has performed for us on this feast and in every feast. Let us today pray together with one heart and say, O Christ, our Master, how shall we, your servants, give you worthy honor for all that you have done? For you have renewed us all in the waters. You, O our Savior, were baptized in the Jordan and have sanctified the waters forever, accepting a servant's hand upon your head. You heal the passions of the world. May the Lord continue to renew, heal, and sanctify us all the days of our lives. I wish you a blessed feast and many happy returns, and glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.